Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Broadcasting live from Radio Row here for the 2023 ACC tip-off. This trip presented by Cowan Gates. Cowan Gates, huge supporters of the Virginia Tech Hokies. And we've had a fun time today catching up with Liz Kitley, George Amore, Kayla King, and, of course, the head coach, the head honcho leading the show there for the Lady Hokies, Kenny Brooks. And uh, I've got high expectations for them this season, and they're ready for it, right? I think – and, you know, Liz made a great point when she said, yeah, they do have a scouting report on me. They've had one for the last three years. I'm the two-time ACC Player of the Year, and I'm back for more. Uh, basically paraphrasing the words of center Elizabeth Kitley on the show earlier today. If you missed anything, you can always rewind on the Odyssey app. Always great to rewind for these road shows because they're filled with a ton of really good interviews. Download the Odyssey app today for free. It's the best app out there. For music, play-by-play, and sports talk, gives you the ability to pause the show, rewind, and then pick up right where you left off. And, Stubb, there was an upset yesterday on Monday Night Football. I expected the San Francisco 49ers to win and Kirk Cousins to have another terrible primetime game. And three plays into the game, you would have said, yeah, this is typical of Kirk Cousins. He had an interception on the third play of the game. But the Vikings defeat the 49ers, thanks to their defense, getting two turnovers of Brock Purdy late in the fourth quarter as we go around the NFL here on NFL Hits. Every regular season matchup, every head coach on the hot seat, the hit stories in the NFL, NFL Hits on AWOD Radio. All right, and you guys know we like to do winners and losers of the weekend here on an overreaction Tuesday. And loser of the week, Stubb, I, I got to look myself in the mirror and call myself out for being a loser of the week. Picking the Buffalo Bills to win in Foxborough against the Patriots, I got myself kicked out of my own damn Odyssey NFL survivor pool over the weekend. Stubb, I'm out. I'm out. Gosh, what a loser. What am I doing picking against Bill Belichick with everyone around the country saying he's lost the locker room. He's getting ready to retire. Bob Kraft's going to have to make a decision if he wants to get rid of him. But no, no, no. They get a big win, and he's our first winner of the week, Bill Belichick. Just when you thought his reign in New England might be nearing an end, they frustrated Josh Allen and upset the Bills in a big victory thanks to a clutch fourth-quarter drive from quarterback Mac Jones. How about another winner of the week? The Baltimore Ravens, right? I think we all thought the Lions had a chance to announce themselves as a true contender in the NFC. Right? Everyone talks about the Eagles, the 49ers. They weren't talking about the 5-1 and one Detroit Lions. Well, instead of talking about the Lions as a contender, they came falling back to earth. And it's the Ravens, who I think are a serious contender in the AFC. You know, all the talk on social media has been Lamar Jackson is back. Back to his MVP form. And the Ravens are humming right now. Uh, loser of the week, the Raiders, right? 3-3 three and three with a chance for a three-game losing streak or against the one-win Bears, but you lose that game after with a backup quarterback against a backup quarterback. The backup for the Bears had over 350 yards, and you heard from a Raiders fan already calling in. He wants Josh McDaniels fired. Josh McDaniels, under the Belichick tree, gets one opportunity in Denver, fired. Back to Belichick, gets another opportunity with the Raiders, 
And now the fan base already wants him gone. Winner of the week? Got to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes had well over 300 yards through the air before halftime. Had a bunch of scores feeding Travis Kelsey, and the Chiefs look like they are rolling once again. Another winner of the week. I think it's got to be the Cleveland Browns, right? Miles Garrett, incredible. Late Kareem Hunt touchdown gives the Browns a hard-fought win and breaks the Colts fans' heart. Uh, another winner of the week. I'm going to give it to the Seattle Seahawks. Gino looked good, got a win over the Cardinals. Uh, it was a little closer than I think they expected, but uh, how about their tight end, young tight end Bobo, goes up for a one-handed touchdown grab looking like Randy Moss. Some injury news to get to here on NFL Hits. Cardinals tight end Zach Ertz with a quad injury headed to the IR. The Titans, well, it looks like Ryan Tannehill will be too injured to start in Week 8. Well, they've, they're eyeing a two-quarterback system to fill in for the injured Ryan Tannehill as head coach Mike Vrabel of the Tennessee Titans says both Malik, Malik Willis and Will Levis likely to play Week 8 if Tannehill sits out because of the ankle injury. He told reporters, we'll see where Tannehill is at the end of the week. If Ryan can't play, I would anticipate both quarterbacks playing in this football game. Willis earned three starts last season. Not a lot of hype and momentum there. That's why they went out and drafted Will Levis. And uh, they traded up right early in the second round to draft him. However, he suffered a thigh injury during a joint practice in August. And also there was talk about his lack of development, uh, which is why I think they're going to go to Malik Willis first. Uh, other NFL news, power rankings are in after the first seven weeks of the season. NFL power rankings for week eight with the Chiefs reclaiming the top spots, which makes sense. They, you know, they're six and one on the season, uh, ha have really uh, looked great since uh, the slip up week one against the Detroit Lions. Your Eagles are number two at six and one. Uh, that was a big win over the Dolphins. Uh, I mean, the Dolphins' high-powered offense was held to a season-low 244 yards and 10 offensive points because that Eagles defense is legit. They can get after the quarterback. Darius Slay can make a play on the ball. If you try to throw it deep, uh, they, they can do a man press coverage. Uh, they can sit back in zone and just say, hey, our defensive line is going to get to the quarterback and force a quick throw. The Niners fall from 2-3. to three. With this two-game losing streak, I think that's kind of nice to keep the Niners in the top five after a two-game losing streak to not the best two games there with the Vikings and the Browns. Uh, those are big upsets. The Ravens soar into the top five at five and two now after that big statement victory against the Detroit Lions. Uh, Miami still in at number five after their loss to the Eagles. The Jags are in the top ten at five and two. The Lions... At 7-5-2. and five and two. Remember, I'm going to rewind back to earlier this week when I said, I believe you're going to have a Lions and a Jaguars playoff game. That ends in both of these teams getting a playoff win. Uh, Lions in the NFC and Jags in the AFC. It's just a changing of the guards in the NFL. No longer is it, you know, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and the Patriots in the AFC. Obviously, you still have the Chiefs there as a, you know 
the lead dog, but uh, don't sleep on Jacksonville. Don't sleep on them at all. Dallas in the top ten at number eight. Buffalo at nine, even though they're four and three on the season. And how about Cleveland? The Browns make the top ten, four and two on the year. Uh, it is interesting how all four teams from that AFC division with Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, the Ravens, and the Browns are all within the top 13 teams of the NFL. We, you know, we thought going into this season that, oh, everyone's going to be talking about uh, you know, the division that is the AFC East, right? Because we all had high expectations for the Jets with Aaron Rodgers, the Dolphins, the Bills, and we thought, oh, Bill Belichick won't stink this year. He always finds a way to win games with the Patriots. But it's not the AFC East that's the best conference right now in football. I think it's the AFC North with the Ravens leading the way, Steelers, Bengals, Browns are right on their butt. Um, and, and so things are really going to heat up as those teams start facing off against each other inside of the AFC North. Uh, NFC East news here. Look, the Commanders, the big story is why Sam Howell taking so many sacks. Uh, they'll be going against the Philadelphia Eagles this Sunday. That's a team who gets a ton of sacks on the season. So unless they find a way to fix that issue right now, it just seems like they're going to give up seven or eight sacks and lose this game by double digits to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Cowboys have a interesting matchup with the L.A. Rams this Sunday at 1 p.m. And the New York Giants, they're coming off of the win against Washington and they will face off against the Jets Sunday at 1 p.m. And I, I just, I hate to see the Commanders, when you look at the standings, being third place in the NFC East and could be fourth by the end of this upcoming weekend. This season, you know, we all got ourselves excited because Dan Snyder sold the franchise and Josh Harris came in and he enhanced the fan experience. But, you know, at the same time, we also take a step back and we say, we all knew this was going to be a lame duck season, right? We all knew that Ron Rivera should have been fired last year. And I thought Jack Del Rio should have been fired uh, two years ago, right, when the defense struggled. Well, Ron gets everybody excited this offseason. He won the offseason. Why? Not because of a great free agent signing, not because he got a star quarterback. Well, everyone said he won the offseason because he brought in offense coordinator Eric Bieniemy from Kansas City. And I was shocked that Bieniemy went through with it and made the move from two-time Super Bowl champion with the Chiefs to this lousy organization in Ashburn. He has to deal with Ashburn syndrome. And the fact that the media will come for your throat if you have a couple bad performances. And that's what's happened right now. Over the last few weeks, two of the last three games has not been good for the commanders offensively. And now you have people saying, oh, Eric Bieniemy's just a guy. Sam Howell is not a franchise quarterback. Uh, John Dotson disappeared. He can't catch the ball in the clutch. Brian Robinson Jr., not a starting running back anymore. All of a sudden, the fan base has turned on these guys uh, because of a few losses. And, uh, I mean, that's what happens every single year. I have not given up faith in Eric Bieniemy as a play caller. I don't know if this is the week here that they get back to scoring, you know, 22 to 25 points per game. Uh, and, and the schedule's tough. But I do believe in him watching film with Eric, with Sam Howell and against the Eagles, even though the Eagles have a good secondary, I think you're going to see any time that they bring pressure, instead of taking the sack, Sam's just going to throw the ball up 
and let Terry McLaurin have a 50-50 ball, Dotson, Curtis Samuel, or Logan Thomas. So hopefully, I think their thinking is, hey, maybe you have one interception a game here, all right? Maybe you have two. But if we can take that sack total per game down from eight to two, then maybe we could have more extended drives that get down the field and put ourselves in a position to either score three points or get in the red zone and convert. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Radio Row here in Charlotte, North Carolina for the 2023 ACC tip-off. Last year, had a great conversation with Miami women's coach Katie Meyer. She'll sit next to me next here live from Radio Row. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Radio Row for the 2023 ACC tip-off. This trip presented by Cowan Gates, huge supporters of the Virginia Tech Hokies. But joining me right now is the women's basketball coach for Miami, Katie Meyer. Coach, how are you? I'm great, great, great. Love it. Tell me a little bit about how your squad changed from last year to this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, we lost a lot of veterans. I mean, a lot of, like, 23-year-old, 24-year-old college students. So um, that's going to be different, I think, late game. Um, but we brought back more than people really realize. I mean, kind of the core of uh, our competitive nature. Um, the kids who just fight and claw and battle every day, they, they return. So I, I like them. I love them, and I feel good about it. And college basketball has changed so much with the NIL and the transfer portal. How have you used mm-hmm. the transfer portal to your advantage? I think we were in a really unique position after last year having a success to, to really um, – we didn't overdo it. I mean, we, we, we lost a lot. And we needed to add a lot. Um, and we didn't overdo it in the transfer portal. We probably could have added more. But we, what we got is exactly what we were looking for. And, and when you see them play, you'll be like, yeah, yeah, they were smart to pick Miami. It's a great style mm-hmm. for them. Um, they, they're fitting in very, very well into our system. How has this offseason been with your success with Miami and Coach L? Yeah. Both programs had a great year. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been kind of the same. It's interesting. Um, you know, we've had a couple of good marches here in both the men and women's side, and uh, we, Coach L and I are both very much about um, getting to know our team early in the season and, and very much about keeping it a tight little bubble and, you know, getting the chemistry up and building the confidence and, and understanding our weaknesses. So we're in that phase again. I don't – nobody's, like, over-celebrating or anything, but um, March was awesome on campus. And then, um, you know, it just – I think there's excitement in all the sports in Miami. I love to hear that. How athletic is your team this season? We're as fast as we've been. We're, we're fast. Um, we're fast in every position, um, depending on the lineups they put together, but real fast. So, um, you know, it's just kind of the mental energy. Like, we can run a real fast sprint, but can we do it for 40 minutes? Um, that's – where the bench is going to have to really contribute and come in and keep our energy up. Coach Katie Meyer with Miami here with me live from Radio Row. I'm Adam Epstein. This is AWOD Radio. Can you tell me the latest with the new flop rule in college basketball? <laughs> I've been trying to follow it. It's over my head. It's a great question. And I, I, of course, so, you know, I hear something and I'm really analytical. So I hear this new rule and then I go straight to, is it possible that there would be an eight-point play to end the game? <laughs> and the ref's like, what? You know, the refs come and they talk through. And I'm like, no, really, literally. If if in the women's side, if you've already warned a team, and a flop on the women's side now is two shots and the ball, right? But if they flop um, and then after they fell down, right, you trip over them and make a bucket. And one. That's an and one. So that's three. Mm-hmm. Make the free throw. You get the two free throws for the flop. 
and possession of the ball? And in that possession, do you hit a three and get fouled? I mean, there's a lot. So a lot of late game stuff. I hope that in late game that doesn't become a big deal. I think the point is don't do it, which I love. Um, we just over penalize it on the women's side, in my opinion. I, it, you know, just give a technical to the kid and, and, and move on. Yeah, you know? it's just wild the way flopping has changed, you know. I mean, because when I was playing basketball 15 years ago, it was like you did charge drills and you were begging kids to take charges. Right, right. Now they're all taking them so much that they're flopping. Right, exactly. And, I mean, if, if we've been trying to fool the refs for years, right? <laughs> I mean, like, that was your point. Like, be there, and then if you get hit at all – you know, draw attention to yourself. And we've been coaching it, and we've been fooling the refs for years. If we hadn't been fooling the refs for years, they wouldn't have this rule. But obviously they know they've been fooled some. So, And the coaches have been coaching to it. I'm not blaming the referees at all. But now to think in one year and one little blurb that they send out, hey, can't do it anymore, <laughs> you think that behavior is going to change. It's just not. So it's going to be a little messy at first, but it, it'll probably take two big moments and two big non-conference games that cost the game for your players to go, okay, I'm going to stop that. <laughs> <laughs> I love the passion. Uh, so um, let me ask you this. If you're in the heat of the moment of a big conference game and they have to stop the play to look at the review and yeah. look at a replay, how does that mess with your mentality as a coach? What, what messes with your mentality is you're sitting there, okay, now when you're a basketball coach you have like 10 seconds to solve things, right? I mean if 10, right? Um, if you call offense and defense then you have no seconds to call. So you're sitting there for a minute with absolutely no plan because the refs are huddling. You don't know if you're getting the ball back. You don't know if you're shooting a free throw. You don't know if your kid's out of the game. You don't know if it was an intentional foul. So those moments are really hard because then what happens is the refs go, oh, this is taking too long, and so they make their decision, boop, blow the whistle, go. And you're like, no, 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 you've you got to give me some time to get this scenario in my head. So I think that's we all don't like stoppages in the game, but when it, it when it, okay, we got our answer ready to go, that's hard on a coach too and very hard on the team. Three-point shot has become so big in, in women's basketball and men's basketball. When you're coaching it in practice, how much of it is, hey, these girls are green light, these are yellow light, yeah. these are red light? Yeah. I mean, what's that like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We absolutely do that. And, um, we, you know, there are times if we're not shooting a three really well that I just make all threes worth six. Um, <laughs> if we're not finishing in the paint really well, you know, layups are four, threes are six, let's go. And you just emphasize instead of, you know, saying, uh, oh, boy, we're not good at it. I just, uh, well, let's celebrate it. Let's change the mentality instead of saying, you know, like, oh, we're missing all the free throws. Let's shoot 100 free throws. Ah, just make free throws worth five. They'll make them. Like, so it's just a shift of the mentality and take the pressure off the kids and, and give them something to celebrate at, and they usually get better at it. I love that strategy. Yeah. So you, you're known to kind of change the point system. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I we have a scrimmage where I get to decide how much. So as the ball leaves the hand of the kid, I'll yell out, that's plus five. <laughs> and or that's minus 10 that's horrible like and sometimes it goes in but it's a horrible shot so yeah. um i'll just decide whether that was a miami shot or not and i'll grade it and then that's how the scrimmage goes and so when you're doing these scrimmages you know i, I cover vcu and yeah. i was talking to their coach about how he had a white team and a black team and he kept them the same throughout the off season do you mix it up most oh i mix it up all the time yeah i wish i had the luxury of knowing like that 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 would play out well but um it uh, in my 30 years of coaching um it's you, you better have different lineups ready to roll. The way we play, we, we play so many players. So what are your thoughts on the conference overall? Virginia Tech coming off a great season. Yeah. You guys had a great season. A lot yeah. of good play in the conference. Yeah, I think I think any head coach who's picking right now, really, we don't know. We should do our poll, like, at the end of November after <laughs> you've seen the conference teams and kind of known, you know, who the impact players are because it was really hard. I, I was just guessing. I have no idea about rosters and stuff, so – 
Um, there's no way people would know what I like about my team. So we pick it. We do our best. But um, it's, it's going to play out. I saw a video. I think Iowa had a basketball game in a yeah. football stadium. Yeah. Have you had any conversations about doing that? Yeah, we've, we've played around with the idea of having a game on the beach. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, we'll pick that idea back up again. Um, it's great that it wasn't – now that the exhibition games can be for charity and you can actually play another team, that's a perfect scenario for it. But in the past, you know, you, you had to have those closed um, games if they were against another Division One. So I like the new rule, and we'll, we'll be creative with it. Well, Coach, thank you so much for your time. You're I welcome. appreciate it. Thanks. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio, broadcasting live from the 2023 ACC tip-off here in Charlotte, North Carolina, live from the third floor of the Hilton Uptown Charlotte. And here we are, the 2023 ACC tip-off. And although there's always constant chatter about conference realignment and the future of the conference, right? I was talking to a few people from the ACC yesterday about how They've already started building schedules for 24 and 25 season, including the new teams that are coming to the ACC. But this is a conference that has won seven national championships, football, basketball, men and women, and baseball since 2015. In fact, the only league in each to win in each of those titles over that stretch. Eight ACT, eight ACC teams were selected to compete in the 2023 NCAA tournament, the most of any conference, and it marks the fifth consecutive tournament in which five ACC teams were selected, which ties the most, uh, the record for the most among all conferences. And the Lady Hokies led the way in the ACC for the first time in program history. Virginia Tech advanced to the Women's Final Four. They became the ninth different ACC school to earn a Final Four spot. They also claimed the school's first ever ACC Women's Conference Tournament Championship with a win over Louisville, thanks to Georgia Amore, who you heard on this show earlier today. She was named tournament MVP, breaking out in the tournament with a three-point record, 14 threes. And so we had a great conversation today with the Virginia Tech Center, Elizabeth Kitley, who has already been two-time ACC Player of the Year. And Kitley and Amore are back this season. Uh, expectations, though, are higher than ever for the Hokies. And I'm just really excited for this season, really, both men and women's college hoops. Uh, it's right around the corner. And, uh, you know, just when the commanders are struggling, we can kind of uh, flip the page from football season to basketball and uh, talk a lot of hoops on this show. Of course, uh, if you're just tuning in right now during the NBA season every Wednesday, that's every Wednesday, we do a Wizards Wednesday with Dave Johnson, the radio voice of the Washington Wizards. He joins us Wednesdays at 1.30. My guy Justin Fensterman from SiriusXM joins us every Thursday at 2.30 to go around the NBA. And then, of course, you guys know that Odyssey Richmond is the number one stop shop for all of your college basketball talk. We are proud to be the broadcast partners of VCU Basketball. And so I will be doing the pregame and halftime and of course we've got the black and gold fan podcast new episodes released every thursday available on itunes spotify and the odyssey app talking all things vcu we broadcast virginia tech games and uva as well uh, so look we talk a lot of college hoops locally on this show 
And tomorrow on the program, I was just looking at the schedule. It's going to be awesome. We'll have Jim Laranega on the show. Uh, we'll have the head coach of Virginia Tech, Mike Young, UVA, Tony Bellett, Bennett. And joining me right now from the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hot Seat, very special guest joining me right now from the ACC Network, Ivory Lotto. What's Woo-hoo! going on? What's up, my guy? How are you? I'm amazing. It's been a great day. It's been an amazing day. I mean, how are you enjoying <laughs> this side of the game here? <laughs> I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah. I'm, I mean, to be honest, I'm really blessed to see the other side uh, in my mind. Yeah. Just being here is like, man, it's taking me back to like 2003, <laughs> 2005, and just seeing like – how they come doing the interviews and just really just getting that experience. Yeah, it's a great energy here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, great energy, great players, too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Ivory Lotto with us now, former NBA, or former uh, pro basketball player, now analyst for the ACC Network. Three teams in the ACC made the Elite Eight last year, and it feels like this conference could be even better this year. Oh, it's going to be better. Uh, the players that came in, the transfers, I mean, to the different teams, uh, it can only get better. And I will continue to say it not only because I played in the ACC, it's the best league out there. The competition, you got the coaches, the schools, and like you said, uh, Virginia Tech, one to four. Yeah. I mean, other teams, uh, Sweet 16, Elite 8, different teams like that. So we can only continue to get better. The transfer portal. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's wild. Now, here, so here's my take, and I'm rolling with this. In, and you can tell me I'm wrong. Let's go. Let's go. I think it's enhanced women's college basketball. Ooh. I think the, the older that some of these ladies have gotten here in their careers, maybe they're a little more focused. They've gone home, some of them, to be closer to their parents, and That's they're true. playing much better. Yeah. Uh, the transfer portal um, is very interesting. <laughs> but as a coach, you can use it to your advantage. Um, you know, because you do got some players that's in there that – you know, been in school for four years and they entered a porter and they got that one more year, you you could be getting a player with experience. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't never think it would get to, get to this place, uh, to having that portal and everybody's jumping in and going to the places. You know, like you say, some going closer to home, some going to where they can really blossom, and, you know, some going to where they have a chance of winning a, a, a championship. And so, hey, it's, it's, it's good on both ends. Yeah, and sometimes you have transfers <laughs> inside the conference, which oh. is always wild. <laughs> I, I think that's heated some rivalries up um, for sure. You know what blows my mind with Uh-oh. college basketball is, the way, like, the three-point shot's been a big part of the game for a long time. But yeah. now it's like dribbling off the dribble three-point shot, yes. step-back dri- three-point yes. shot. I, I just, it blows my mind because I've always said that's a bad shot, like a step-back three. But if you're going to make it at a high rate, keep shooting. Hey, you got to keep shooting. I yeah. mean, hey, back in the day, I w- I've been doing it. Yeah. And now that you see how the game is evolving with these young ladies and their skill set, um, like you said, coming off the three, coming off the dribble, pulling up for the three, some of them don't even shoot by the line anymore. Yeah. I mean, their range is unlimited, and it is good for the game. But also, if you're practicing practicing that shot, take that shot in the game. Yeah. Now, if you're not practicing that shot, now, I don't know what your coach is telling you, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you now, I don't think you should take that shot. <laughs> It's Ivory Lotta sitting with us here (laughs) live from Radio Row for the 2023 ACC tip-off. So uh, for my listeners viewing in in Richmond right now, you you were born and raised in South Carolina. Born and raised. You went to UNC. We're dominant. Dominant. I remember watching you play. It was so much fun. Uh, And then you went on to go pro. And and kind of tell me where your path has taken you since then. Oh, man, it has taken me to places that I've never seen. I'm going to back up and say, you know, I played um, high school ball in South Carolina, went to the University of North Carolina, 
played 11 years in the WNBA, but between those 11 years, I played six years overseas. Mm. And I've been blessed to play basketball, and it took me to countries like Turkey, Israel, Belarus, I mean, Russia, playing in those different places. And just hearing these young ladies come and say, hey, we went to Croatia this summer. So they're already getting that experience of, like, a possibly playing overseas. And I just think it's a great experience, especially when you come to college and you're able to go, you know, which I really didn't get the opportunity to. I mean, the game is just evolving. These young ladies are getting better and better every year. But I got to put the heads off to the coaches. I mean, they're doing a tremendous job of setting these young ladies up whether it's going to be for the WNBA or if you're going to go play overseas or if you just want to just, you know, do what you want to do in life. It doesn't always have to be with sports, but they're setting them up very well. Yeah, and it's cool to see. I mean, it feels <laughs> like women's basketball is at an all-time high yes. for viewership Oh my god! At, in the college level. So how do we get that to transfer to the WNBA level? I mean, you just got to uh, – we was just talking at the desk. Um, Kelsey Plum said, don't uh, – come see the team play come watch me play mm. and that would get more fans out there hey if you got a favorite player or somebody go watch them play yeah get more people bring more people to see the game the WBA game is is amazing um like you said I've been blessed to play 11 years to play in front of my family instead of going overseas all those years we just need more people just to come out and support watch the different players you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Come out there. I mean, you, you're going to have a great time. The atmosphere is great. And it's just like the ladies that you see in college is just transitioning to the WBA. they growing up and, and being a professional. Yeah. So you should still follow that person, follow that player no matter what. No, it's a, it's a great point because with college, I think a lot of it is, uh, I went to this school. Let yes. me watch this yes. school. But you're right. Then you fall in love with the players. I want to see them transition to the pro game. Exactly. Sitting here with Ivory Lotta from the ACC Network. And I think it's really cool. The ACC <laughs> is going to have two full days of live coverage. Woo. When did your day start this morning? My day started. I'm going to be honest with you. Alarm went off at 430. <laughs> We're not even going to talk about this right now. I thought mine at 7 was early. Makeup, makeup was at 5.15. I have never in my life put on makeup at 5.15. I don't even wear makeup. <laughs> but, hey, listen, when I tell you this is actually my first um, time doing this, and it's been amazing, amazing, being able to interview and really get up and close and personal with the players yeah. and just hear that side of you, hear, you know, the things that they – enjoy what they're going through with their transition what they did in the offseason to make themselves better but also make the team better to interview the coaches and get their perspective because at the end I would love to be a head coach yeah I would love to you know and you know we got coach on us on uh on our team anyway so I'm just learning from her just listening just soaking everything up Man, this is a great day, man. I just, yeah. I just love the ACC. <laughs> it's great, it's great experience for sure, yes. and, and uh, it's been cool to see the ACC network uh, really provide yes. this conference uh, with a lot of content. Uh, the Lady Hokies, we cover Virginia Tech whoop, in whoop. Richmond. So much success under head coach Kenny Brooks. What do you enjoy about watching his style of play? I just love it. You know what I really love, and even though we can sit here and talk about players, I just love how he changed the culture. Yeah. He, you know, those young ladies have really bought into his system and what they they need to do to become very successful. Yes, you got Kitley, who is just, man, she's amazing. What, two-time ACC MVP? Like, I mean, who wouldn't want to have her on the team? And then you got Amor, who just shoots from the parking lot, <laughs> from the dorms or wherever she wants to shoot, and the percentage is very, well, is very good. So when you have those two type of 
players on your team and you got other players that also just to come in and they, they know their roles. I mean, Kenny has done an amazing job. Hats off to him for going in there, changing that culture, and really making a name for Virginia Tech. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kayla King <laughs> told me that her freshman year, there were less people there to watch her play than they've had more people at just a watch party now. Yeah. You know, so the fan base is fully bought in. Yeah, the fan base bought in because, like I said, when you change the culture and you, you get the players in there that want to play for you, that's going to go out there and give it all that they have just for you, then, yes, they're going to start winning games. When you win games, that's when you bring in more fans. So I can understand that. I mean, I bet it's a great feeling for them, and I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what this season holds for them. All right, I can't let you go without getting <laughs> some kind of a prediction. Oh, we, God. We love the hot takes here. Oh, Can you give me the ACC Player of the Year and who's going to be Ooh, conference champion? God. Yeah, yeah, you got to throw it out there. People want to know your opinion. <laughs> conference champions. I had to go Virginia Tech. Oh, okay. Player of the Year. Keep it with the Hokies. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can definitely see Kitley being a top runner for sure. She just she's unstoppable. Yeah, and what I was what I thought was interesting when I talked to her is I was like, this year everyone's gonna have a scouting report, and she was like, well, honestly, that's been the case the last three years, and they haven't stopped <laughs> me. They can't stop her. They've got all the tape in the world. <laughs> I love that confidence. Yeah. I really love that confidence, and she's not lying. Yeah. <laughs> Everything she said was true for sure. <laughs> well, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you for having me. Yep, I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on the Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Radio Row here for the 2023 ACC tip-off. And this trip is presented by Cowan Gates. And let me just say a huge thank you to Brandon Cowan from Cowan Gates, huge supporters of the Virginia Tech Hokies athletic programs, especially football and basketball. They sponsor this trip every year so they can find out the latest insight with the men and women's Hokies teams. Of course, they also present the Cowan Gates Hokies update with Bill Roth that you can hear tomorrow at 1.30. And uh, they're ranked as one of the best law firms every single year. You can check them out here in Richmond with their Richmond offices. Uh, phone number 804-320-9100. You can check them out online, cowangates.com. Uh, they do practice areas from personal injury, family law, divorce, business, corporate law, estate law, pretty much anything law, they cover it uh, at Cowan Gates. And uh, welcoming in a special guest right now. You never who know who you're going to run into at Radio Row here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And it's our buddy uh, Noah Fleischman who's here with us now. What's going on, Noah? What up, Adam? How are you? Good. So we haven't talked in a little bit. So tell my audience a little bit about new, your new gig. Yeah, I got a job in, in Raleigh covering NC State at the Wolfpacker in, in for on three. And so it's, it's been a fun ride. It's been about a month and just a little over a month this week. So it's good. It's busy. Football, basketball now. So yeah. Super busy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're here at ACC tip-off. Today we got to hear uh, from the women with Virginia Tech. We'll catch up with UVA tomorrow and then move over to the basketball side of things. What have been a couple of the biggest storylines that you've been focusing on? Yeah, a lot of NC State stuff. You know, they're excited. They had a down year. I mean, what, 
four years ago, and they started a run where they won three straight, you know, ACC titles. Last year was the first year they hadn't in the past four years. So, you know, they, they want to get back on the winning ways. But, you know, overall, it seems like the buzz here at ACC Media Days is, is everyone's excited. You know, obviously, it's the preseason. You haven't played a game yet. Um, but, uh, you know, this is one of the best leagues, both men and women, in the country. Yep. Noah Fleischman with us here. And uh, what is it that you uh, – what is the network that you cover NC State for now? For on three. For on three. And so I got to ask you about Brandon Armstrong because that's like – I've been talking about it on my show for months now. Like, we got to do a deep dive into what went wrong with Brennan Armstrong's arm. I mean, do you have any answer for us? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, it, he can still throw the ball, and that's not, I think, out of the question. I think what it came down to was turnovers. He had six in a two-game span, and that's kind of what, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back and Dave Dorn, you know, the coach in his state's mind. He had three, you know, turnovers against Louisville, and, and that was a game that they lost 13-10 to 10 if they had a chance to win it at the end, and he threw a pick. So, like, turn the table, I, he, he's still not – they haven't given up on him. Mm-hmm. He's still – they tried to use him against Marshall in, like, a running situation. It didn't work. But I think, you know, down the stretch here, the five games to go, we'll see him back on the field. I mean, just too good of a runner to not use on the field. Yeah, I, I just wonder how he's handling this because, you know – all reports he could have stayed at UVA and been the starter. Instead, they, they moved on from him. They brought in Tony Musket. You got Calandria getting a few starts uh, here and there. But he goes to NC State. I don't think he ever imagined that he would lose that job. No, I don't think he did either. I mean, he came in, won it over MJ Morris, who's a current sophomore. Now he's the starting quarterback. But Brennan Armstrong, you talk about how is he taking it. He's taking it you know, really well from what we've been told by you know everybody, whether it's the head coach, the offensive coordinator, MJ Morris, the guy who's now the starter. You know, Brennan has been a guy who's helping him learn Robert and I's offense. He was with it at UVA, so he knows it better than literally anyone on the team. And he's taking it well. He's kind of being that leader. He's still a captain, still has the C on his chest, and he's showing why, even though he's not out on the field anymore. Noah Fleischman with us here in the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hot Seat, NC State beat writer for the Wolfpacker and on three sports. And you've had an interesting path, man. So you were like me at VCU. Then you covered JMU, now to NC State. And so you're kind of getting the runaround here, but now you're diving into ACC football. This is a pretty good year for the ACC with football. Uh, Florida State having an incredible year. Uh, UNC until UVA shocked the world. Uh, Louisville, that, I mean, I'm blown away by that. Duke is really good. So what have your th- thoughts been on the ACC football-wise? Yeah, I think it's a lot of teams that aren't usually, you know, at the top of the league except Florida State. You know, you look at Duke, you look at Louisville. These aren't teams that have been there, you know, consistently. And, and it's good to see, right? You, it's a deep conference. Um, you know, other teams that have been apparently really good. Clemson not having a good year. But, yeah. you know, you see the other teams kind of take advantage of that. You know, Duke has probably one of the best defenses in the country. You know, held NC State three points, which was the lowest in, you know, since 2014. So, you know, I think overall the ACC is in a good spot. Florida State is obviously the dominant team. We'll probably see them here in Charlotte at the, you know, at the end of the year. Um, but I think that second spot's really up for grabs still, and we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, when you mentioned the conference being a, in a good spot, I, I kind of think they really need Florida State to make it to the college football playoffs and win a game. Like, that would be massive for the conference. Yeah, I think they're capable. I think Florida State has the offense and, and the defense especially to get there. You know, Kalen Deloach, a, a, you know, a brother yep. of a VCU, former VCU player, you know, a linebacker there. I think they have a chance. And I think that, you know, it would be big for this conference to get a win in the CFP, get to the national championship. Don't know if they'll win, but, you know, they're in a good spot right now at number four to, to be in that, that opportunity in the playoff. Yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting. I got here last night and went to a little event, and I was speaking with some people from the ACC about how with the conference realignment, 
they are having to look having to look two or three or four years ahead to make the schedules work out with all the travel and everything. I mean, have you kind of stopped and, and just thought about, man, the ACC is going to be wild when they bring in SMU, Stanford, and all these schools. It is. I mean, there's going to be road trips, you know, to San Francisco area. When you go to Stanford, you're going to, you know, Cal, you're going to, you know, Dallas when you go to SMU. So it's definitely interesting, not really the Atlantic coast, but, hey, it's going to make the league, you know, I think stronger in the long run. You're just bringing in schools like that, and it'll be interesting, you know, to see Stanford and a Cal. Does that make Andrew Luck and Marshawn Lynch ACC legends now? I don't know. <laughs> so you, you've moved down here to the North Carolina area? Yes. You're in Raleigh? Yeah, I've been in Raleigh. been there about a month. Okay. How far is that from here? It's like two, two and a half hours. Okay, so not bad. Not bad. Do you have any plans to get back to Richmond for VCU basketball game, man? I'm trying. I mean, i got to figure it out. It's about two and a half hours to Richmond, so it's not that bad. Yeah, it isn't bad. So I might get up there for a game. I also thought about coming when they go to Davidson in February. Ooh. Coming down here yeah. to Charlotte. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for this season. I mean, being a Ram alum, how, how shocked are you that Ryan Odom has been able to flip the roster so successfully? Yeah, I don't know. I really wasn't, like, you know, too confident in the ability to do that at the beginning. You, they lost, what, the entire team, basically four scholarship players to stick around. Um, some of them just is like Zeb Jackson because they have to and, and things like that. And I think, you know, he did a great job at, at using the portal to the advantage and getting guys. Obviously, they're really s- short on bodies currently, you know, with, with different situations. But pick number two in the conference, and I think that's for a good reason. We'll see where they finish. Usually when VCU's picked high, it doesn't doesn't end that way. But maybe, you know, Ryan Odom can get things going here in and, and year one in Richmond. Yeah, I, I really want to see what the team is going to look like offensively. I, I mean, for so long, this team was all about defense, right? Havoc lives here. I just, you know, when I say the word havoc, I picture Bronte Weber diving on the ground for a loose ball, and, you know, then Jaquan Lewis and all these great point guards, and they might have a good point guard this year with Zeb Jackson, but I think the fan base is more interested on the offensive side of the ball than the defensive side of the ball now. It's just as wild. Yeah, I don't know how many games we're going to see of, uh, you know, 50 to 45, like we've seen, you know, with, right. you know, different offenses. I think it'll be good to see an actual offense you know, in Richmond, in the Seagull Center, you know, actual scoring. We saw that a little bit, you know, a few years ago with Bones Highland, who could be able to just create, you know, 30 points by himself. They haven't had that since, and maybe it'll be a good opportunity to, to I don't think they're going to get somebody that's going to be, you know, as skilled as him and get, drop 30 a night, but, you know, having multiple guys scoring, you know, 15, 20 points a game will, will be really good for them. How cool is it that Jason Nelson transfers from Richmond over there in Henrico to the Broad Street Bullies? Yeah, has that happened before? Did we find out? Is I don't think happened? so. I don't think so. You know, I, I put Michael Phillips on the case, and uh, he came back and said, couldn't come up with anyone. You know, we'd have to go back to maybe the 40s. <laughs> which, is, which is wild. That was RPI, really. You know, you talk about, you know, transferring. So, you know, I think he's an exciting player, good point guard. I don't know. He probably won't start, you know, looking at how many veterans are on this team, but Good guy to have yeah. behind Zeb Jackson. Hopefully six-man uh, for the Rams this season with his ability to hit the outside shot. We're broadcasting live from Radio Row here at the 2023 ACC tip-off, hanging out with my buddy Noah Fleischman. Uh, Noah, I, I was telling you a couple minutes ago, I want to do something that's going to make me go viral here at ACC tip-off. You need to be like my professional guy that like tells me what is okay and what is completely crossing the line. Well... There's a basketball court over there. You could go try to dunk. Yeah. Can you dunk? No. No. Okay, well. Maybe if I if I get on top of your shoulders, maybe. <laughs> uh, I don't think we'll be talking about that. I thought about crashing the ACC network set, you know, just like uh, but that that's just, that's, that's little, completely over the line. Yeah. Uh you know what's funny? So ACC football media day last year, I I wish I had 
the idea that these guys from North Carolina add, I forget the name of their show, but uh, it was the end of conference um, play in the ACC, right? Now there's no conferences in football. So they had everyone take a Miller High Life and pour one out for all the divisions in the ACC. I was like, that's bro- like that's that's a viral moment at ACC tip-off. Exactly, but there's doesn't exist in the ACC tip-off. we got to come up with something. We'll, we'll figure yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. We have another day tomorrow. we got another day. There's plenty of good food. Maybe we could do a taco eating challenge. Something like that. Exactly. I think I think you got time. Maybe you can drink more more tea to keep your, yeah, your I throat. Know. You know. I put uh, a whole thing of honey in here for this. <laughs> I saw you grabbing for the tea. I, I can't believe you chose the Lipton. That was so basic. <laughs> uh, I said, you know, it can't go with, with what you know works. <laughs> well, Noah, thanks for stopping by, man. Always fun to see you. You've been listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. We're live and local here in Richmond from 12 to 3 p.m. It's Grant and Danny coming up next from Washington, D.C. No, I, I guarantee you they're going to open with who to blame for the sack, Sam Howell or Eric Bieniemy? What would you say? I say, see, you know, but can I pick a third option? Who's the third option, Ron Rivera? No, the offensive line. <laughs> but, you know, the people that are supposed to keep people upright. You yeah. Know. Yeah, I'm sure Grant and Danny will get to that next. You've been listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. Stay locked to 910 The Fan.